Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. City leaders are taking the first concrete steps to end what's being called the sub-minimum wage for Chicago's tipped workers, including waitstaff and bartenders. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago City Council members Carlos Ramirez Rosa and Jesse Fuentes introduced a two-year timeline to end sub-minimum wage and require all Chicago businesses to pay workers the same minimum hourly wage. This proposal is one of two introduced in City Hall earlier this week, and it's part of the national campaign One Fair Wage, endorsed by Mayor Brandon Johnson. If passed, the proposal would be a major win for labor, but it faces quite a bit of opposition from the hospitality industry. For more, we're joined by 26th Ward Alder Jesse Fuentes. What inspired you to take action against the current state of wages for tipped workers? Absolutely. We know that the restaurant industry is the industry that hires young people. It is the industry that young people go into first. We know that we have over 57,000 young people from the ages of 16 to 24 that are currently your waiters, Mm -hmm. your waitresses, your barbacks. And if we are talking about building a better, safer Chicago for young people, then we also have to be talking about how are we providing them the wages that allow them to financially survive in the city of Chicago in which inflation is going up, the cost of living is going up. Right. And how do we make them real contributors to their household? Yeah, and I understand that this, um, the timeline that we, we uh, have uh, talked about here to, to end this sub-minimum wage, it's actually part of two proposals that were introduced yesterday. So if you could just walk us through... What is included with each? Yeah, so the One Fair Wage Ordinance seeks to increase the subminimum wage, which is at $9.48 today for tipped workers, to $15 in small businesses and then $15.80 in large businesses. And that's just meeting what the minimum wage is today in the city of Chicago right. by July of 2025. And that would be before tips, right? That would be before tips. would still be tips. eligible for tips. Absolutely. So we are talking about making sure that individuals are making the minimum wage with tips on top. And the reason that we proposed a two year scale up is because we believe that it can be done with the gap that currently exists with what the subminimum wage is for tipped workers and what the minimum wage is in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. We have heard five years a lot. We hear it from the hospitality industry. We have heard it from Sam Toya. Uh, But we are talking about a city that has a gap in both the subminimum wage and the minimum wage that is not as large as what we've seen the seven other states have to meet across the country. And when you mentioned five years, you're saying that you've been the, the proposal on the other side of, of the coin here is give us five years to do this and, and that maybe two years is, is t- too quick of a turnaround. So we believe that it can be done in two years because of what the gap is currently in the city of Chicago. Right. We've seen San Francisco and, you know, places in California do it in five. But the gap between their subminimum wage to what their city's minimum wage was much larger than what we're seeing here mm-hmm. in the city okay. of Chicago. So we believe that this can be done in a two year scale up. Uh, and we're also still open for conversation. But this is not a matter if we are going to raise um, the wage and eliminate subminimum wage in the city of Chicago. It's, it's a matter of how. 
and, and when, right? Um, progressives and city council, they introduced a similar proposal back in 2019, trying to eliminate uh, the tipped minimum wage by 2023. And that got a lot of pushback from the restaurant industry. It was ultimately blocked by Mayor Lightfoot. So what would you say is different this time around? Well, what's different is that we have a mayor that has endorsed this ordinance. He talked about it on his campaign trail. We were just at an event with One Fair Wage in which Mayor Brandon Johnson was a server for an hour. This is something he believes in because investing in people, particularly investing in black and brown women and Mm -hmm. head of households, Mm -hmm. is the priority of the mayor's administration and of the Progressive Caucus and City Council. And so we have the support that is needed to really move this forward. And I believe that the hospitality industry understands that this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's about how are we building coalition and building consensus and being in a collaborative conversation that gets us to the point together. And and the mayor's endorsement, I mean, what does that mean for the for the campaign, uh, Alderman? And and what is what is his specific uh, what is he weighing in specifically on the proposals uh, from yesterday? Yeah, I think the mayor wants to make sure that we are keeping the conversation open, that we are nimble, that we are flexible. And he wants to make sure that we're bringing the hospitality industry and the restaurant association back to the table so that we can have a conversation about how we can get this done together. Yeah. The the One Fair Wage campaign, to your point, it identifies that black women and Latinas are more likely to rely on tips for a living. Uh, at yesterday's press conference, you said specifically uh, the subminimum wage practice, quote, is rooted in slave labor, white supremacy and racism. Talk more about that claim. Absolutely. When subminimum wage is born here in the city of Chicago is promptly after emancipation. Right. The hospitality industry and the Pullman industry hired black individuals at a subminimum wage, um, particularly black freed slaves. And we haven't eradicated subminimum wage since in the hospitality and restaurant industry. But we have Pullman porters who are being paid the minimum wage because they fought to make sure that they are being treated with dignity and respect and that they are made whole and that their physical labor is paid for. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the hospitality industry founded the Restaurant Association to keep subminimum wage in place. And so when we're thinking about how how was subminimum wage born in the city of Chicago? It's born out of trying to get cheap labor from freed slaves. Mm. And so it started in the city of Chicago. We have a moral obligation to end it in the city of Chicago. But more importantly, we know that in the restaurant industry, it is worked by black and brown women. And when they are working, they are subject to sexual harassment, to discrimination, to get those tips to provide for their families. Mm. Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa couldn't be with us today, but uh, he did send a message of his support for this proposal and the One Fair Wage campaign. Let's listen. Investing in workers, particularly some of Chicago's lowest paid workers, is one of the best ways to grow our economy and support our small businesses. The seven states that require a full minimum wage for tip workers have higher restaurant employment rates, higher small business growth rates, and higher tipping averages than Chicago. Too many of Chicago's 100,000 tipped workers are living in poverty, and the time to transition to one fair wage with tips on top is now. Yeah, Alderman uh, Ramirez Rosa speaking there on small businesses with with full minimum wage having higher growth rates. Now, we know most people listening, uh, they would probably expect small businesses to be most impacted by having to pay their workers more. 
right? Yeah. And I believe it's a false perception. And let me tell you why. Right. When I chose to sign on to one fair wage, one of the first things that I did was call small businesses in the 26th Ward. Uh, and I know many of them. I know restaurant owners. Right? I've been living in the 26th Ward my entire life. I frequent these businesses every day. Many of them are already paying the minimum wage. And if they're not, they're close. They're not at $9.48. We have business owners paying 13 an hour, 14 an hour. With a two-year scale-up, okay. they can make it. There's this false perception that uh, we raise the minimum wage for our workers and our businesses are going to sink. The reality is we know that when we sustain the workforce— it brings more business. The culture and climate of your business changes because your workers are in a much better mental and social emotional space because there's financial sustainability there. We know that our restaurant owners, when they make more, are also likely to frequent restaurants more. We know that our service industry are the ones who give business to our restaurants. If they can make more, they're going to bring more mm. businesses to our restaurants. And so investing in our workers, particularly black and brown women and head of households, is what's going to grow the economy, not not diminish it. I want to go back to something you, you mentioned earlier, because I think it resonates with a lot of people listening with me as well. You remember your first job, right? And, and a lot of us, that was something in the restaurant industry, right? Some of us are still working there now, We're currently working in the restaurant industry, and we know how tough it can be to depend on tips to make a living. So I want you to speak to the importance of this ordinance for the younger Chicagoans yeah. right now. Yeah, we, we are in a moment in which we have to build infrastructure and workforce opportunities for young people to truly make a difference in our communities, but more importantly, to save lives. This is what we're talking about. To be able to employ black and brown young people across the city of Chicago in a workforce, quite honestly, that needs them, yeah. right? The hospitality industry depends on our young workforce. It's important that we are treating our young people with the type of dignity and respect that they deserve, and that is a livable wage. That is to be able to understand that when they go to work five days a week, 40 hours a day, and you, we know the service industry works much more than that. Yes, that they sure do. They can have a sense of what their finances look like that they don't have to make difficult decisions between paying a utility bill or doing groceries yeah. because the tips didn't come in the way they wanted it to that week. This is what we're talking about. Many families, particularly mothers, head of households who have children at home, are often making difficult decisions when they don't have a great week at work and they didn't make the amount of tips that were needed to sustain their household. Bringing them to the minimum wage allows them to set up a life and an infrastructure for them and their families in which they are not hoping for income, but that there is guaranteed income there to have them live and thrive in the city of Chicago. Here's something else on folks' minds. How is this going to affect customers? How do you see it affecting customers in the future? Like, would restaurants be expected to raise prices to accommodate paying this, uh, this raise? Would tipping still be a thing? Yeah, I I believe that tipping is still going to be a thing, right? We have restaurants across the city of Chicago that is already paying the minimum wage, yeah. right? Some of our restaurants have a service charge if you're paying with a credit card or have automatic gratuity. That has never changed the behavior of a customer. I go into restaurants all the time. I look at my receipt. There's automatic gratuity, and I'm still tipping on top because we are paying for a service. 
when that waitress comes to our table and makes us feel at home and gives us a good experience, mm-hmm. I'm not upset about what's on my receipt. But more importantly, I want to make sure that the individual that has been servicing us and created an experience that we will remember gets the gets the money that they deserve. And so we've been asked that question a couple of times. How yeah. is this going to change customer behavior? I don't think it will at all. In fact, I think that we will find that customers tip more because of the experience they're going to get in our restaurants. Yeah, we uh, when we talked about this last on the program uh, we opened the phones that day and we had folks call in and, and a couple people were asking, well, am I now going to have to pay more? Am I going to see different things uh, on my receipt? But it was it, we had a, a restaurant owner who was here. She was uh, fell right in the category of what you've mentioned a few times. She's one of those restaurant owners who changed her, her pay scale for her uh, employees a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so she just she made to me a compelling argument about why, you know, this was the way to go and why as a customer, that should not be your primary focus. Um, Alderman Anthony Beal intervened on this <laughs> proposal. I- explain what this opposition means for it's your a, for your plans. Yeah, it's look, it's a delaying tactic. Anytime you send an ordinance to rules, we have to take the time to get it out of rules. Um, but here's the difference, right? Under Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration, folks felt like when your ordinance went to rules, it went there to die. People call it purgatory. Uh, We have a mayor that supports one fair wage. We have colleagues that support one fair wage. We have a city council that truly believes in supporting and advocating for our workforce. And so we'll we'll get it out of rules. We'll send it back to workforce. We'll have subject matter hearings in committee and we'll take it back to city council and it'll get passed. How long do you expect it to hold up the ordinance? Not long. We'll go back first week of September, work on getting it out of rules, and we'll be right back on schedule. Again, this is not a matter if this is going to happen, right? The mayor has made it clear. The Progressive Caucus has been front and center. We will get this done. It's a matter of how. And again, I, I want to reiterate, we are still open to having conversations with the Restaurant Association, with Sam Toya. Sam Toya and I have had multiple conversations You know, we are not trying to create division. We want to be collaborative. We want to be able to build consensus Mm -hmm. and really get to this um, together. And so we are going to continue having those conversations and push this forward because our workforce deserves it. uh, Our young people deserve it. Our women in the city of Chicago deserve it. And we're excited to see the difference that it would make. Looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. That is Jesse Fuentes of the 26th Ward. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and it was edited by Maha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. Stay in the loop with stories like this by subscribing to the Reset podcast and newsletter. You'll hear all the important news affecting Chicago and the state, and you'll find out what your neighbors are getting up to. Now that'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you again this afternoon.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.